We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, joined, as always, with by Bill Bender, Lead College Football Writer here at SportingNews.com. And, Bill, we are barreling towards Week 9 already of the college football season on Saturday. Uh, week 8 provided more surprises, as it always does. And um, I think I've already asked you this this year, but how does the season go so fast? <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. And then next week, once we get to next Tuesday and they they release that first set of rankings, mm-hmm. it is not a marathon anymore. It's a sprint to the finish to December. Um, was it three top 10 teams lost this weekend? It was shakeup after shakeup. And I know it's getting real when when playoff contending fan bases are starting to snipe on my mentions. So there was a little bit of TCU and Ohio state back and forth and Clemson and Michigan back and forth. And everybody wants one of those four spots and it's not 12 teams yet. So um, yeah, tons of fun and and happy to get into it with you again this week. Yeah. So you're talking about fan bases worried about getting into the playoff, but uh, today on our Tuesday show, uh, here we're going to you know talk about some different topics, of course, and then Wednesday we will look ahead to week nine, uh, preview some games, update our confidence contest, do some trivia, have some fun tomorrow. Uh, but today we're going to talk about just uh, things that are going on across the nation. And like I said, you, you were talking about fans trying to get into the playoff. We're going to kick this off with five underachieving teams who are nowhere near the playoffs, even though they probably thought they had a shot. At the beginning of the year, uh, we talked about it this week. You wrote about it this week. Five underachieving teams, Miami, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and Michigan State all had big preseason hopes, preseason expectations. You wrote about it. Let people know at SportingNews.com. Rank them most to least disappointing and kind of what's what's gone wrong for each. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, you know, all five of the teams that made that list that you mentioned, Miami, Notre Dame, A&M, Oklahoma, Michigan State, they started... 15 or higher in the preseason pool. And for various reasons, this is what happens. And it, as I put, it, it gives the preseason pools don't matter people a lot of ammunition because they're like, hey, you had Texas A&M six. Oh, I didn't have him six. Well, we did. But um, <laughs> it's not my fault that Texas A&M quarterbacks have combined for six touchdowns and nine interceptions or that they can't run the football. Um I think they are by far the biggest disappointment, number one on this list, because you're talking about a team that was in the preseason picking fights with Alabama, talking about national championships, um, four straight top 10 recruiting classes. And I think that's the biggest issue is when you recruit that much talent and it's not translating on the field for Jimbo. And we have stories going around this week explaining, you know, the explainer model where we're explaining Jimbo's $86 million buyout because people are actually thinking about that when in reality, if you read some of the better pieces out there by uh, Pat Forty and Andy Staples, for example, it's, and I'm stuck with him, Bill. That That's kind of like, they're not, as, as much as me and you might want to daydream that somebody pays that $86 million buyout, he's not going anywhere. Jimbo might be daydreaming about the, the, this. Place. I would. I would take that. I would say, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm not coaching football anymore. I can, I'll take that 86 million. But Miami's another one. You, you point, you picked against them last week. Um, and I kind of thought about it. And then eight turnovers later, you know, a minus 10 turnover ratio. I, I looked at this stat in their losses this year, they average 1.6 yards per carry. So for the, new aged football people that think running the ball doesn't matter. <laughs> That'll tell you it still does. And we're talking Duke and we're talking MTSU. We're not talking, you know, mm-hmm. Clemson and Florida state here. Um, Michigan state. Uh, they, we can talk, we'll talk more about them tomorrow against Michigan, but um, inability to run the football again, uh, they've had, they've had a bye week I, I think they may be a different team coming out of the bye week I think with Oklahoma, some of it was Dylan Gabriel, but a lot of it's a bad defense. They're really bad on that side of the ball. And then Notre Dame's the the really interesting one to me because it's 
head scratching inconsistency is how I would put it. They look really good one week and then they'll turn around and lose to Stanford. And you're like, what is going on? Uh, you know, there's a lot of fundamental things, a lot of criticism of Tommy Reese, but I still think they're in decent shape to make a bowl game, but they've got three games against ranked teams left that aren't going to be easy. No. And yeah, the, the, if you want to talk Notre Dame, the offensive line has been very inconsistent. They dominated BYU, who's supposedly strong on the lines, big team, veteran team, hard-hitting team. And Notre Dame played them out in Las Vegas and looked terrific. Drew Pine had all kinds of time, and he could pick them apart. Mike, uh, Michael Mayer was getting open all day against BYU. Reese looked like he was scheming them up. You're like, all right, maybe that Marshall was an aberration. And then a week later on your home field, Stanford just embarrasses them and they could not get going on offense. And, you know, they didn't really put on a great show this week. They scored 44 points against UNLV, but uh, they blocked two punts. Uh, I, I think I looked it up. I think they had eight scoring drives, which is a lot, but only two of them were over like 50 yards. Like they were a lot of short fields, a lot of field, settling for field goals. And that's a team you should run right over. And they, right. they didn't do it. And so, yeah, I mean, there was going to be some growing pains. They lost their starting quarterback. Those are reasons for the inconsistency, but not to this level. No, and I think, you know, the first-year coach hangover – not hangover, honeymoon is probably over now. And, and, again, it's the – some of it, I wonder how much of it they did – I look back at the Ohio State game, and, and as you know, we, we were covered it. We were all over that game. It looks better with age for Notre Dame. Hmm. It don't. I don't know that it looks better with age for Ohio State, but they're really the only team that had Ohio State kept things in front and held them to 21 points, played pretty good on the defensive side, showed their fastball, and I'm wondering how much that game I, – I, I always go back to the end of that game. They got pounded, and mm-hmm. it just – I wonder if that's but, – but again, they have more – chances against ranked teams they're going to play Clemson next week and that game maybe not as much hype as the last time Clemson came to Notre Dame still a big game they play Syracuse this week um very interesting game with the orange coming off loss and then they play USC at the end of the season and I'm guessing USC best case scenario is 10 and 1 in that game so he's got more quote-unquote like big games coming up but but we'll see how they do it yeah, win or lose, Notre Dame's always in the headlines, it seems like. But uh, back to Texas A&M, just for a quick sec. They only have one SEC win. They're one and three. And that one SEC win, the Arkansas field goal kicker, hit the upright with a 130 to go. And A&M escaped with a two-point win. Uh, they had that eight-point win against Miami, 17-9, to where they just were basically trying to run out the clock starting in the middle of the third quarter because they knew they couldn't do anything on offense. Miami is a train wreck, uh, as we know now, so that doesn't really qualify as a good win. Like Some of these teams on this list that we talked about being disappointed have shown at least some burst, some <laughs> reason why people are optimistic about them. That just hasn't really happened with a and I mean, of course, they played great at Alabama. Um, maybe that's their highlight of the year, uh, losing to Alabama by, by four. And, and really being in position to win that game. So we'll, we'll give, I guess we'll give A&M credit for that one. But really, you know, starting with obviously the Appalachian State loss, 17 to 14, they really haven't shown anything 
right. that resembles a top 10 team. Well, and they're going, I think we talked about the buyout, but what needs to happen is they're probably going to have to overhaul the offense in the offseason. Uh, whether that's hiring a hotshot coordinator, uh, somebody to develop the quarterbacks better. I, I don't blame the quarterbacks completely either because you don't have a running game behind it. So when you're averaging 100, 100 plus yards rushing a game, the the drives aren't sustained. They do have talent at receiver. They've recruited the talent at receiver. So I think mm-hmm. that's the next play for Jimbo. I mean, he's not going to get fired. They're not going to buy him out for $86 million, um, I don't think, but it's Texas, so you never know. Um, I, I think that's what's going to have to happen in the offseason because, again, you're you're in a division where Ole Miss isn't waiting for you and, and LSU is not going to wait for you. And even Auburn, when with their next hire, assuming Brian Harson's gone, they're not going to wait for you. It's the toughest division in sports arguably. And it's the toughest one to keep up in. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's some major questions for the Aggies and it doesn't, to me, it's not even about going, going bowling this year. All right. Let's shift away from the disappointing teams to two teams that are still undefeated. Uh, looking at, I think there are six undefeated teams left. Uh, we were looking at, you know, potential playoff participants and we were, we were looking at TCU and Clemson who has the easiest path to the playoff, TCU or Clemson. Uh, it's an interesting thing because, you know, if you're a 12 and 0 champ, 13 and 0 champ from a power five, you probably, you know, you got to feel pretty good about getting in both these teams still undefeated as we head into week nine. TCU has no teams in the current top 25, the rest of the regular season. Uh, they have a game at Texas, which will be a tough, uh, but TCU's actually played Texas well recently. Um, and then the big title, big, 12 title game is in Dallas. Uh, so there's a little bit of a hometown edge there. They'll have plenty of support for the big 12 championship on the other side, Clemson. They, the only ranked team they have left is number 25, South Carolina. And they would presumably be a heavy favorite against South Carolina. It's at home. Um, they do have a trip to Notre Dame next week. Like we talked about, uh, could be trickier two weeks from now, their next game. Um, and then the ACC championship could be against number 21, North Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, so there'd be, uh, there'd be some Carolina blue for sure in the stadium. But, um, again, Clemson would, would probably be a, a solid favorite. Who do you think has the easier path TCU or Clemson? Oh, I mean, Clemson of the six remaining unbeaten, and we'll have a story about this at sporting news one week ahead of the college football playoff rankings i kind of dove into the numbers a little bit dived dove which i don't dove you dove 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 (laughs) okay um the clemson's remaining opponents have a 16 and 22 record uh they're the only team of the six whose opponents have are below 500 record wise uh tcu's next and the interesting part of this discussion and it's it's what i was saying about people getting fired up so Clemson's opponents that they've played to this point, now given they've played one more game, 596 winning percentage. That's the highest of the six unbeaten. So you can't say Clemson hasn't played anybody. Uh, TCU's next at 580. And I would argue that they've played the most impressive stretch. They've just beat four straight ranked teams. They beat Oklahoma when Oklahoma was undefeated. They beat Kansas when Kansas was on top of the world. They beat... Oklahoma State, who I think they'll play again in the Big 12 championship game. And they beat Kansas State, though the quarterback situation was weird. They came back. Like you said this weekend to me, Bill, two amazing comebacks, right? So I 
my point is that these two probably should be ranked ahead of Alabama and they won't be in the first set of rankings. You watch, they, they'll be ranked like six and seven and people should in Fort Worth should flip out. And at Clemson, they should flip out because by the numbers they've earned this. And, and here's the other part of it. If you're Michigan or Tennessee and you lose a game, you're rooting for these teams to lose because mm-hmm. I think Michigan would beat Clemson head to head, but Clemson would be more deserving of a playoff berth. If that makes sense. The one thing I'd push back against Clemson is they beat Wake Forest in double overtime. They beat NC state by 10 at home. They beat Florida state by six. They beat Syracuse by six. They're not rolling through with no problems. You know what I mean? This no. isn't the normal Clemson team that wins every game by 25 points. They win it by 17.3 points. I did that too. So I can't wait to show this to people because I've done all the research. Um, that's the lowest. So you're right. And Ohio State's beat, to put that in perspective, Ohio State's beat their opponents by 34.7 points a game. Wow. They've literally doubled what Clemson's done. So I don't think there's any rational person that thinks if Clemson and Ohio State get on the field that Clemson's going to win the game. But let's say Michigan beats Ohio State and Ohio State's sitting there at 11 and 1, and you're like, that's the best team not in the playoff, right? right? So that's where these awesome arguments are going to come in. And I like just breaking them down with numbers. And I, I did that over the weekend. And, um, you know, it, it, Clemson and TCU are going to be those wrenches in what maybe people want to see versus what you're going to see. I got to give TCU credit, though. They, they're fun to watch. The quarterback's good. Duggan's good. They run the ball. I, I like watching them play. Do I think they they would beat Georgia, Ohio State? I don't think so, but it doesn't mean that they're not deserving, and that's one of these things that we get into over the next few weeks. Right. You don't have to beat them. You just have to be one of the top four teams in the country, and not a lot of teams can beat Georgia and Ohio State, and uh, maybe nobody, so we'll see what happens there. Speaking of Clemson, right, quarterback situation, something's brewing. Mm-hmm. Dabo pulled – his favorite guy, DJ Uangalale, down by 21 to 10 uh, against uh, Syracuse this weekend. He threw, he fumbled at the 10 yard line, and it was a scoop and score about 90 yards back the other way. That was DJ's fault. And then he threw a terrible interception in the third quarter. And, and uh, Dabo made the switch, put the five star freshman in there, Cade Klubnik, and, uh, Clemson went on two touchdown drives, the first two possessions that they had. Klubnik wasn't necessarily putting up big numbers. He was only two for four, but he did have a really nice uh, two-point conversion that just showed his skills and what he can do. He he looked like a confident player coming off the bench, and Dabo was quick to throw water on that fire that there was some sort of QB controversy that Uangalale will be back under center when they go to Notre Dame. I know you're a fan of club, Nick. I know you think he should make the switch. How long do you think it's a DJ will stay the quarterback? And if it's a close game in the third quarter in South Bend, do you think he'll make the switch again? I, you know, when we were talking through this Saturday, I, I think you did a fantastic job of like not allowing me to be a prisoner of the moment because I was, it was starting for me and I, and I really try hard not to, but when I saw Klubnik come in immediate touchdown, the way their offense functioned, it was 
crisp and, and, you know, credit Dabo for doing this. That's always risky because if they lose the game and Klubnik looks horrible, then what do you do? Your locker room's divided. Um, They have a culture there that somehow DJ Uwangale after the game is talking about, yeah, I would have done that too. And you're like, okay, so. Everybody I mean, loves him. I mean, he, right. everybody, like, he's such a great team mm-hmm. guy and everything like that. And I think that's why Dabo loves him too. And I think this is why they're going to do something similar to what Michigan did last year, where DJ is going to be the guy for the rest of the season, but they'll work Klubnik in similar to what Michigan did with McCarthy last year, where people are going to say, why isn't he in the whole time? But he'll play. And, you know, th- this isn't – he. Dabo did make the uh, Steph Curry comparison. He said, you know, sometimes Steph Curry goes to a 25. Well, and I, I laughed because, of course, how Twitter works. NBA writers are, like, scrambling to find out if Steph has ever gone two of 25. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's just an analogy. The other part of that, though, is Steph's backup isn't another five-star guy with a similar recruiting ranking and comes from a high school that produced Drew Brees and Nick Foles and Sam Ellinger, who's starting this week somehow in the NFL. Um so, yeah, I think you got to credit Dabo for doing this right. And once you talk me through it, I think you're right, honestly, that they're going to keep DJ in there, especially in the Notre Dame game, because he's done that, been there and been in that atmosphere. But I wouldn't be surprised if Club Nick sees a series here and there. And then yeah, when you, and, and, yeah. and the good thing about what he's seen him under fire now. He played that, you know, mop up possession against Georgia Tech in the opener, and he looked great. But it was all it was the two offense against Georgia Tech's two defense, probably. Klubnik marched down the field, and people were, you know, head over heels with him. But that was not what he did on Saturday, where they had to come from behind against an undefeated team. Pressure was on, and he looked confident. He, you know, he did not light them up, but he looked confident, and he has now faced a very good defense. In crunch time, and Dabo knows he's got that card in, in his back pocket if he needs to play it. Yeah, and, and and they can use that at any time. And I think the the thing that impressed me about Klubnik, too, is I think he's a little bit faster than DJU. In that mm-hmm. kind of offense, he, he has some wiggle. Uh, the other play that, that was surprising, I mean, it was like third down and 11, and they're on the 50, and he let him turn it loose throw it mm-hmm. deep and they drew a pass interference on that play and preserve that drive and then and ends up getting a field goal out of it. But um, I think their offense, I, I think what you're going to see there is by next year, club Nick will take the starting job and it's going to be awkward like it is for Michigan this year, but it's not that awkward at Michigan right now. They're seven and zero, and, and McCarthy's taking hold of that job. And, and this is the reality of having, that old that I, I hate that saying. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And, and in the modern age of college football, it's if you have two quarterbacks, one of them's eventually going to transfer. Right, and it's amazing how many teams have needed two quarterbacks right. this season. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was a good move by Dabo, and uh, good for Clemson as they get two weeks. He he put the fire out. No one's going to be, you know, instead of talking about it, but people will be watching when they go to South Bend. That's going to be interesting. Our final topic uh, is going to be about the man who was uh, Mr. Meme in week one. And you know who I'm talking about. LSU coach Brian Kelly came out and uh, LSU 
did not look great in that week one game against Florida State. Special teams breakdowns. Uh, the offense was stagnant. Uh, they lost to a team that had a losing record last year in New Orleans. It was not the debut they wanted. Everybody was ready to celebrate. All these anti-Brian Kelly people out there were were quick to find any little clips on the sideline about him, you know, not behaving correctly or whatever. And guess what? Eight weeks later, he's tied for first in the SEC West, Bill. Mm-hmm. And and he wore the shirt with him dancing to troll Lane Kiffin. That was, I mean. You can say what you want about Brian Kelly. I, I, he's either the least self-aware or most self-aware person on the planet. And I'm leaning toward most like he knows what he is. And, and I love it that they're, they're winning games. Um, you know, they're, they're doing it with Jaden Daniels. I mean, I check this stat out. Jaden Daniels averages 292 yards of offense per game. Bryce Young's at 291.9. I would never have guessed that at the beginning of the season. Jaden Daniels looked confident throwing the football He's a threat to run. Um, he may have a thousand yards rushing by the end of the season, which, you know, credit Brian Kelly for for helping that happen. And um, this is a dangerous team heading into a bye week. I, at the beginning of the season, I wrote, wrote off the written wrote. I got to work on my English wrote. here. Uh, yeah. My <laughs> verb translation. Your um, tenses. Your tenses. tenses verb tense. Struggling. I'm going to review this. So I wrote them off like everybody else. Um but that game against Alabama is super intriguing now because they could be the ones to knock Alabama out of the playoff race. They could take control of the SEC West. Um, and Brian Kelly, he is who he is. And you get what you pay for sometimes. And I think LSU paid for a very good coach who's going to win at least nine games every year, keep them in the SEC West race, do things on Twitter that annoy people on Twitter, and not apologize for it. I mean, that was a beatdown of Ole Miss in those final three quarters. They closed the game, what, 42-3? to three? Right. So, I <laughs> shocking. I thought – and they stopped Ole Miss's run. They made Jackson Dart uncomfortable. I, I was shocked that it was – in the second half, I was like, it was all LSU. So, yeah, I mean, he, he knows how to coach. He knows how to win football games. Some of the things he did in the offseason were cringy. But again, he's either, like I said, this is either, this might be part of like his master plan. I mean, who prints that shirt and, and wears it? So, um, the master politician, I've heard him labeled as the master politician. He knows yeah. how to navigate rough waters and you don't navigate to 10, 12 years at Notre Dame without understanding right. how to, how to deal with some off the field situations. And, um, you know, his exit was ugly. He did not handle himself with, uh, much grace. When he left Notre Dame and he was negotiating with LSU and trying to recruit and all that kind of thing. It, it, you know what? 95% of the coaches that leave from one job to another do not do it gracefully. Brian Kelly is not the first or the or will be the last to do that. Do you think and he feels less pressure at LSU than he did at Notre Dame? I don't know that he gives a bleep yeah, about pressure. Right. <laughs> right? But I mean, like I'm saying, like he's – he just does his own thing. He's going to do it his way. And and at Notre Dame, it led to, I believe, five or six straight 10-win seasons, two an, a BCS championship appearance, playoff appearances. I mean, two he, playoff, yeah. Two, two playoff appearances. Yeah. And that's not easy to do, like you said, at Notre Dame. And you, for further proof, you can circle back to the top of this podcast and everything we said about Marcus Freeman. That's not an easy job. And LSU is not an easy job either. But – 
I, I always emphasize fit mattering in college football. And I think TCU is a great example of that was with Sonny Dykes, but you know what else fits in college football winning? <laughs> you can fit like Nick Saban's a West Virginia guy in Tuscaloosa. You know, I, you can fit if you win and Brian One size fits all and it yeah. is winning. Right? right. And that will always fit no matter who you are. Right. And in the sec for sure. So, all right, well that does it for our Tuesday edition of the all America podcast. Join us tomorrow uh, for a preview of the week nine games. And for now, I want to just thank everybody for listening in. And we will see you tomorrow for the, uh, for the Wednesday edition of the All-America Podcast. <laughs>